The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Back in March, uh, Pastor Joe came to me and asked if I'd be willing to uh, preach on Mother's Day, and I counted a privilege, so the answer was yes. And uh, But right after you say yes, you start thinking in your heart, Lord, what, what Bible passage you want to go to? Uh, what do you want to share with the worshipers on Mother's Day of 2018? And uh, through all my searching and reading, studying, praying, I, I kept going back to Psalm 139. And then my wife had a birthday at the end of March, and on her card was this thought. And it really confirmed to my heart. It said this, if you want to know, if you want to know just how special you are to God, treat yourself to a slow read of Psalm 139. If you want to know how special you are to God, treat yourself to a slow read of Psalm 139. That's what we want to do today. So I ask you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 139, page 974 in the Bibles we provide, and take out your sermon outline. Um, We're going to walk through that sermon, sharing God's Word through Psalm 139. Join me in prayer. Gracious Father, We do ask you to speak words of truth to all our hearts. Enable our hearts to see you, Lord, to see your greatness, to see your love, your strength, your goodness, your truth. And as we open your word, may your spirit empower us to see who we are in your eyes because of the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus. Ensure our hearts that because of Jesus, we are yours, we are loved, we have faith, We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, As we walk through Psalm 139, I believe that um, there are three great truths that come through the psalm that are applicable not just to moms, but they are there for every mother, grandmother. They're there for every student and senior. They're there for every man and woman. And um, the first one I want to look at, the first part of the text is whatever is happening in your life, um, there is an unshakable foundation to have hope. We want to look at that foundation for hope. And then we want to go back into Psalm 139 and look at how Psalm 139 can empower us to see ourselves as our Lord sees us as holy and created for purpose. And finally, the psalm is going to assure us that when we cry out for help, our, that cry is heard by our Savior. Um, I believe it, like I said, it's for all of us. It's not just for moms, but I'm going to use a lot of illustrations using moms as, as we walk through there. I'd ask that you let the Holy Spirit apply it to your life in a real personal way. <clears throat> um, go with me to um, the opening verses of the psalm. Uh, I'll pick it up in verse 1. It says, O Lord... You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. And such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? 
If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. A foundation for hope. God's with us. You read that those verses over and over, the psalmist knows that God is with him, with him in his life. God's with me. <clears throat> Moms, you're never alone. You're never alone. Even though I know as a mom you can feel that in different moments of times of life, you are never, ever alone. God's word declares it. Uh, verse 7, in a paraphrase, said it this way. Is there any place I can go to be out of your sight? Is there any place I can go to be out of your sight? Um, God's presence. God's with us. Um, I'll share with you a story about God's presence. Um, a family, mom and dad had two boys. They're ages 8 and 10. And they were their pride and they were also their embarrassment. And mom and dad were trying everything they could to help straighten them out, get them on the right course. Finally, they decided together they're going to take their two boys to their pastor. Now, I'm not asking all of you to bring your kids to Pastor Joe or me, but th this is like the big trump card now, right? Bring them to the pastor. So they bring them to the pastor, and the pastor is thinking in his mind what he wants to talk to them about is the presence of God. God's always with you, and God sees everything you do. And he decides, the pastor decides to separate the boys and bring the youngest one in first. So the oldest boy sitting outside the office, the eight-year-old comes in, sits down in front of the chair in front of the pastor, he and his pastor, his pastor looks at him, and he asks the boy, where is God? And the little boy just stared at him, didn't say anything. So then the pastor second time says, where is God? Now the little guy's getting a little terrified in his face, doesn't say anything. Pastor, third time he says, where is God? And the little boy got up, ran out. He's running past his brother. His brother says, what's the matter? The little guy says, God's missing, and they're blaming us. <laughs> God's missing, and they're blaming us. You know, we can laugh at the story of two little boys. You can almost see it happening. But you know, and I know, that in our life, you can be in doing life and you really have a feeling inside that God's missing. God, where are you? When you read the Bible, you find that God is with his people in every place, everywhere, just like the psalmist said. You go to the first story of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.9, and God's looking for them because they have sinned, and he says, where are you? God was there. God was present. Adam and Eve were hiding. God was not missing because they had sinned. I'd like you to think about this. That in your own life, in your worst moments, your worst sinful moments, God doesn't leave us. He's there. He wants to call us back to himself. Where are you? The very next story in the Bible where Cain kills his brother Abel, if you look at those words from Genesis 4, Notice who's speaking. 
the Lord said to Cain, God knows what's going to happen. God knows Cain's not even going to listen. But do you notice God still speaks? He says, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It's desires to have you, but you must master it. God keeps speaking even when he knows the outcome. I know God's desire is that all of us would have hearts to hear him speak. It's that tragedies in life don't have to happen because of our sin. But he doesn't leave us when we sin. He doesn't stop speaking to us even when we're going down the wrong course. Then if you start walking through the scriptures, and I just took some stories regarding different women in the Bible. If you think of Sarah, the wife of Abraham in Canaan, she's doubting the promises of God, but God's with her. Jochebed, the mother of Moses in Egypt. The life of her child is threatened. God is with her. Naomi and Ruth in the land of Moab, destitute and alone, but God was with them. Rahab in Jericho, just beginning to know about the great God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God was with her. Esther in Persia, trying to do the right thing against all odds. God was with her. The woman at the well where Jesus talks with her and spends time with her, even though her life is in chaos, God was with her. When you read the Bible, the Bible tells us God is with us. Where can we go from his presence? The psalmist asked that question. <clears throat> in our devotional book, Daily Bread, as I was preparing the sermon, one of the devotions in there uh, was written by a gal by the name of Karen. I want to share with you her testimony about what the presence of God meant for her life. As long as I can remember, I've wanted to be a mother. I dreamed about getting married, getting pregnant, holding my baby in my arms for the first time. When I finally got married, my husband and I never even considered waiting to expand our family. But with each negative pregnancy test, we realized we were struggling with infertility. Months of doctor's visits, tests, and tears flowed. We were in the middle of a storm. Infertility was a bitter pill to swallow, and it left me wondering about God's goodness and faithfulness. When I reflect on our journey, she says this, I think about the story of the disciples caught in the storm on the sea in John chapter 6. Notice she turned to God's word, and God's word said something to her. As they struggled against the waves in the dark of the storm, Jesus unexpectedly came to them walking on stormy waves. He calmed them with his presence, saying, It is I, don't be afraid. Like the disciples, my husband and I had no idea what was coming in our storm, but we found comfort as we learned to know God more deeply as the one who is always faithful and true. Listen to her final statement. Although we would not have the child we had dreamed of, we learned that in all our struggles, in all our struggles, we can experience the power of his calming presence. Because he is there powerfully working our lives, we do not need to be anxious. Probably one of the greatest promises you find in God's word, other than the fact he loves us, is that he's with us. You know, sometimes when I look at our worshiping congregation, and I think of all the stories, you know, you heard Autumn share the stories of mothers. And picture all the stories in this room. There's not one story where God wasn't with you. 
That's what God's Word tells us. That's what we hold on to. And when Jesus is with his disciples, the final thing he said to them in the Gospel of Matthew is, I am with you when? Always. I'm with you always. That's God's promise. We are not alone. If you go back into Psalm 139, pick up at verse 13. As you read these verses, I want you to think about, consider how this psalm can empower us to see ourselves as our Lord sees us, as holy. That doesn't mean perfect in this case. It means we're set apart for his purpose. Set apart for his purpose. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Max Licato, in his book, Cure for the Common Life, wrote a comment, kind of almost a commentary on these verses. Then he put them into his study Bible. I want to share these words with you. It says, Moses used the same word to describe the needlework of the tabernacle's inner curtains. Stitched together, there's that phrase, stitched together, just like we were knit together. These, they were stitched together by skillful hands, notice for the highest purpose. The master weaver selected your temperament threads, your character texture, the yarn of your personality, all before you were born. You are more than statistical chance, more than a marriage of heredity and society, more than a confluence of inherited chromosomes and childhood trauma. We have been formed by our Creator. We are holy. We are precious in His sight. The Apostle Peter spent three years walking alongside of Jesus, watching how he valued people, how he saw people. And then he spent 30 years in ministry before he wrote these words to the Christians of his day. And he writes them to you and me. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. When I read those verses, the, the word chosen really made me pause to think. What I pictured was going to Nino Savaggio's and picking out a Honeycrisp apple. I don't know if you ever do that type of thing. Um, decide you're going to really treat yourself. I like Honeycrisp. They're expensive. So if I'm going to pick a Honeycrisp apple, I don't just grab. I select carefully. And I look for the perfect one. Don't you? If it's bruised, I leave it there for somebody else. Now, now the good news of God's word is this, that he takes us bruises and all. In Zechariah 2, verse 8, it says, we are the apple of his eye. And that verse in the context of how much he wants to protect us. So you picture how you would protect that Nino Savaggio's Honeycrisp perfect apple. That's how God sees us. We are the apple of his eye. 
Peter knew he was bruised. Peter knew he was a sinner. Peter knew he disappointed Jesus. Yet he still says, we've been chosen. God knows you, he knows me. But we can still say, we're chosen. We've been knit together in mother's womb. He's been walking with us all our days, and we are his. Then Peter said this, if you go back into his words, he says, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I'd like you to think about this, that your prayers, your service, your sacrifices, you are really carrying on the work of Jesus Christ. You are his royal priesthood today. Moms, your prayers, your sacrifices, your service to your family, you're carrying on Christ's work. God sees it, he honors it, he blesses it. You are his royal priesthood. Your temperament threads, your character texture, your personality, God wants to use it all to declare his greatness to those he gives you to love. Another verse that talks about kind of the way the psalm talked about us being special to God. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take delight in you. Love that phrase. He'll take delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I want to share with you of a picture of a mom. Picture this mom holding her child, the light in her eyes, singing over her child. That's the picture image of God's word about how he sees you and me. Not because we're perfect. Jesus covers our sin, but now we are his. We are his. A mother taking delight in her child, singing over it. Now, I'm not a mother, I'm a father. Um, but I had a moment, and I still remember it. It was 45 years ago when our first son, Jason, was born, and he was on a feed-on-demand schedule, and my wife was totally shot. It's the middle of the night, and the kid's demanding to be fed. <laughs> and she asked me to get out of bed and take care of him. And so I go, not necessarily willingly, but I'm there, pick the boy up, change the diaper, Right, carry him around while the bottle's getting ready. And finally, you have that holy moment where you sit down in that rocking chair, and I can still remember how my wife decorated that room. I can still remember the rocking chair. I remember the light right here, looking down at him. Head here, feet here. Taking the light. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, it's hard. Does God see us like that? Yes, he does. The Bible says so. He takes delight over us. He sings over us. Now, I know when we go back out there in the world, you don't always feel that, but our feelings don't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. Paul wrote these words in Ephesians chapter 2. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You have David in the Old Testament you have the prophets, you have Peter, you have Paul, as they're trying to convey to us Jesus' words to us. We are his workmanship. It was a brother and a sister, Ligon and Nick. Uh, they loved to climb mountains. And in 2008, they were swept off of a Colorado mountain in an avalanche. The brother survived, the sister died. 
as he was going through his sister's belongings, she took this verse and she put it into her own words. And I'm going to say her words, and I want you to repeat them after me, okay? This is what she said. I am a work of art signed by God. But he's not done. In fact, he has just begun. I have on me the fingerprint of God. And never will there be another person like me. I have a job to do in this life and no other can do. That's the testimony she left her brother. You and I have the potential and the desire, I hope we have the desire, but that's what Peter said to declare the great works of God. She did that in words. She passed it on. Her brother has that testimony now to encourage him in his life. Moms, that's what God wants you to do. Um, all of us as Christians, we have the great privilege to help people see how their Heavenly Father sees them. Go back with me to Psalm 139. I want to pick it up um, at verse 19. And as we read the following, the rest of the chapter, I want you to hear two cries. One's the cry for help against the world, and one's a cry for help against me. God help me. If you would slay the wicked, O God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I believe that as moms in today's world, you definitely have cries for help for your family against the world in which they live. God hears your cry. And I also believe that as a mom, I believe for us as Christians, we cry out to God, look, I know who I am. Please help me. Help me. I don't want to do the things I'm doing. I need your help. I want to assure you that God hears your cry. He hears your cry. Ever notice when moms, moms can be at a party, there can be five, six moms, there can be 10, 15 children, and when they hear this cry, how that mother has voice, she can just identify that voice. She just knows it. It's her child. And she also knows, is this a real cry? Or is this a fake cry? She can interpret the cry. Now, if a mother can do that, don't you think our Heavenly Father can do that? And if he loves us that much, he hears our cry. Jesus said this. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. That's a promise about our cries. And he says, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God, help me, help my family, help my loved ones against the world. Lord, help me not to sin against you and the people you give me to love. 
he hears that cry. If you look at the back side of your sermon outline, you notice there's nothing on it. I did that purposely. Um, my hope is this, that you stay on the front side and that you take time this week to do a slow read of Psalm 139. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Speak to your heart about how special you are to him, that he's with you, and that he hears your cry. We you join me in prayer? Father God, your Son, our Savior, prayed for us that the truth of your word would sanctify us, that your word would set us apart for your purposes. We have read the clear promise of your word. We are never alone. You are with us. We ask for your forgiveness when we lose sight, when we lose hope of what it means that you are with us. I pray especially for anyone who is in a storm of life, that the truth, the reality of your loving presence would bless their heart with strength and peace. Father, instill in our hearts the truth that we are your special creation. And because of Jesus, we're the apple of your eye. And because of Jesus, you do delight over us. We pray that your Holy Spirit would give us strength and guidance to fulfill your purpose for our life on this earth. And Father, because of Jesus, we thank you that our cry for help is always heard by you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. To close our worship service, we've selected a brand new song, which maybe none of you have ever sung before, but we did it because of the words that are in it. The words really confirm uh, what God's word has been declaring. If you look at that, who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. And then what's going to be repeated throughout, I am chosen, not forsaken. God is with you. You are very, very special to him.